Well, if I haven't had a chance to say it to you over the holidays, Merry Christmas as we transition into Epiphany, as Jack mentioned. And I also get to stand here and say Happy New Year, literally, because this is New Year's Day. Speaking of Christmas, I would like to share with you a gift that I received this Christmas. I received this little teddy bear. And he's not just any teddy bear. He's a special teddy bear to me because he has a message, a message about prayer. Listen. Somebody once asked me if I pray because it makes sense, and I said no. I don't pray because it makes sense. I pray because my life doesn't make sense without prayer. I pray to raise myself up and to keep going when I can't even seem to get going. In the middle of life's struggles, there inevitably comes a time in each of our lives when we collapse on the trail, in an office, or even when we are stuck in traffic. And prayer, I have found, is a path where there is none. Tears falling long enough can scar rocks, but tears falling on our cheeks can also cause us to bloom. And the wind on your face just might be God blowing you kisses. Your life is a gift. Prayer is a thank you note. So put your faith, not your fears, in charge. And may you never forget that God is never so with you than when you feel alone. Amen. What a beautiful message for us on this New Year's Day. The bear's name, Noah. The writer of this beautiful message and promise to us is actually Noah Benchay, an acclaimed author and poet. You know, prayer changes things. As I prayed over what I would share in this message this morning, this bear was given to me actually several weeks ago, and I knew in my heart that God wanted me to share a message about prayer with you this day. And right on the heels of receiving this bear, Pastor Ed, who's preaching over in the contemporary side this morning, came into my office and said, Faye, I've got a great scripture for us to preach on New Year's Day. I said, what's that, Ed? He says, it's from John 15. And so when we read it together and I shared the story of Noah the bear, we knew, we knew that this was the message we needed to share today. I particularly love verse four and five when Jesus says, remain in me as I remain in you. Just as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it remains in the vine, neither can you unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them bear much fruit because apart from me, you can do nothing. Well, I'm not much of a gardener, but I do understand the concept of a dead branch on a vine. You see, I've got a brown thumb, and if it were not for my husband, Mike, there wouldn't be a live plant around my house. You know, sometimes the branches 
on a vine need to be pruned. The branch is not totally dead, but the end of it will get a little withered. And so you need to snip it off a little bit so that it'll grow healthier in the long run. Our prayer life can become like a branch on a vine too. It starts to wither. It starts to get stale looking and sounding. And if we don't keep up the discipline of nurturing, our prayer life can die. So we as a branch on Jesus the vine need to be pruned. And so as we begin this new year, what I would like to offer is a way that we can be pruned to be a healthier prayer branch in our life for Christ. You know, our church, Mount Horeb, is a very healthy church. And it is a very healthy church in large part due to our senior pastor, Jeff Kersey, who has fostered a culture of prayer here at this church for over two decades. We're a prayer-driven church. You see that on paperwork around here. You see it on the side of our vans. I'm in my eighth year here, and I can attest to the fact that we bathe everything that we do here in prayer. Many of you are involved in our men's prayer breakfast that meets here on Friday morning at 645, led by our senior pastor, Jeff Kersey. Our men come and have a wonderful breakfast together, but they also pray together. They pray for all the names that appear in our bulletin on Sunday. They pray for additional names that are lifted up impromptu during that time together. They sometimes walk around the inside of the church and pray over each classroom. Isn't that lovely? They even go outside and pray over the property. I love one of the quotes from Pastor Jeff. He says, you know, we started out, oh, roughly around seven acres, and now we're at 70 plus. The neighbors get real nervous when we start walking and praying the property. It's true. As your pastor of congregational care, I have the privilege and the honor and the joy to come alongside you in many ways. I come alongside you in times of crisis and suffering too. And in those times, my number one go-to is prayer. And when I can't talk to you directly, which is my preference, I might send you a text or an email. And I've been known to leave a voicemail prayer on your voicemail box. You know, when we pray, we are remaining or abiding in Christ, just like that branch to the vine. Think of your prayer life with God also like a relationship with someone that you love very much. Mike and I will be married 49 years this coming June, and when we first met each other, we just couldn't get enough of each other talking. We'd be together, we'd talk, 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 talk. And then when he'd go home, he'd dial me up on the phone and we'd talk, 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 talk some more. That's what lovers do. And that's what Jesus Christ wants from us. He wants communication. He wants us to commune with him. That's important in a love relationship. 
Now, what I'd like to do with us for the next few minutes is share a few tips, some you know well, but we need to be reminded of them as we begin this new year. Tips that help, can help us be a healthier branch of prayer to the vine of Jesus Christ. Number one, always ask for God's will when you're praying. You know, in the Lord's Prayer, we do pray, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so we need to do that in our individual prayers as well. And sometimes we forget to do that, don't we? Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, while he asked that the cup he was bearing, that cup of suffering would be lifted from him, dear Lord. Yet he went on to say, but not my will but your will be done. John Piper says this, it's not surprising that prayer malfunctions when we try to make it a domestic intercom upstairs for more comforts in our den. Well, you know, it's okay to ask for things from time to time, but that shouldn't be our regular process of prayer, right? As a member of Rehoboth United Methodist Church, all my childhood and a lot of my adult life, I was a part of the upper room prayer line. And once a month, a team of us would gather there in the church and we would link in to the upper room and answer the phone and pray with people from all over the United States. I got some interesting prayer requests over time, I must add. One time, a gentleman called me and said, Ma'am, could you pray with me to win the lottery tonight? I really need the money. Okay. We pray for God's will to be done in our lives, but we also pray with faith that he hears our prayers. We need to be reminded of that. He hears our prayers, every one of them. Hebrews, the 11th chapter, says he rewards those who seek him. And faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. And when we pray, we hope. When we pray, we know he hears our prayer. When we pray, we pray with the conviction of not knowing yet the answer to that prayer, things not seen. When I was sitting in the waiting room at Duke Hospital in Durham for many weeks after my husband's heart surgery and during his recovery, I got close to a number of families there and we had an opportunity to pray with each other, for each other. And I got particularly close to several families and one family, I'll call them Mary and Brian. Well, Mary was in the waiting room day after day. She was waiting on Brian to receive a heart, you see. And I got to know her, and I felt the nudge to ask her if I could start praying with her, and I wasn't the only one. There were a few other prayer warriors in that waiting room, too, that joined in. So we got a little team together that prayed every day for Brian to receive a heart. We prayed in faith, knowing, because the scripture says where two or three of us are gathered together, 
here he is also through the power of the Holy Spirit, we knew in faith that God was hearing our prayers. We pray for God's will to be done. We pray in faith that he hears our prayers and we pray constantly. Do what? The scripture in 1 Thessalonians 5.17 says, pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing. What does that mean? Well, on our daily walk, we walk with him, we talk with him, we commune and meditate with him. Acts 17, 28 says, He is the one in whom we live and move and have our very being. We pray throughout the day as the Spirit nudges, as situations come up that we need to pray for. Get up praying in the morning, pray throughout the day. C.S. Lewis in his writing says this, Relying on God has to begin all over again every day as if nothing had yet been done. Let me read that again. Relying on God has to begin all over again every day as if nothing had yet been done. So we continue to pray throughout the day. Pray as you drift off to sleep at night. Sometimes I wake up during the night, and when I can't sleep, I pray to the Lord to put a name, a person, a situation on my heart to pray for, and pretty soon I'm back to sleep. It works for me. You might try it. In the Old Testament, we learn that Daniel lived a life of prayer. He prayed three times a day, and you know what? So did King David. He prayed three times a day, morning, noon, and evening, we hear that in Psalm 55, verses 16 and 17. Both of these men are excellent examples of godly people who lived a life steeped in prayer. But you know, Jesus is our best example, isn't he? The scriptures tell us it was the custom for Jesus to pray, to go off and pray even. He would rise early in the morning to go off and pray even. What a beautiful example for us to be in prayer always, to live a life of prayer. Yes, we pray for God's will in our prayer life. We pray in faith that he hears our prayer. We pray constantly, unceasingly, and we pray fervently. Those of you that know me well, you've heard me use that word. It's not a word you hear very often. What does it mean? Well, what it means is you put your whole heart in your prayers. You put your whole heart in your prayers. Hebrews 5 and 7 says, In the days of Jesus' flesh, he offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears. Do you ever do that? Do you pray that fervently? Well, Mary in the waiting room at Duke, prayed fervently. He prayed fervently with tears for Brian to receive a heart. We prayed fervently with Mary. We waited. We got frustrated at times, if I'm honest, because you see, we wanted God to go ahead, 
do it on our schedule. Get Brian the heart, God. God says yes sometimes. God says no sometimes. God says wait. Wait, Faye. Trust me. Wait, Mary. Trust me. John MacArthur writes, instead of getting frustrated that God is not on our schedule, prayer forces us to be on God's timetable. I need to be reminded of that. I'm an impatient person at times, and maybe you are too. In the course of our praying, God enables us to see in a brand new way what he's up to and how he's doing it. And sometimes, just sometimes, he involves us, each of us, in accomplishing his answer to a prayer. Has it ever happened to you? Have you ever seen and experienced God using you as a part of an answered prayer? When I was a chaplain at Baptist Hospital during seminary, and actually I was a full-time chaplain for two years while I attended seminary, I would often be on call. And one night I was on call and my beeper went off. Phone call came from eighth floor. If you know anything about the Baptist Hospital, the eighth floor is a cancer floor, the gravely ill, those about to transition, if you will, to a heavenly place. And the call came from the nurse saying, Chaplain, there's a family up here that really needs you to come up. You see, there's a lady that's just hanging on by thread. And the family's been praying, Lord, take mama. She's ready, take her. But she kept hanging on day after day. And on this evening, they asked, please send the chaplain. Mama's waiting on something. So I went, and as I walked into the room, lo and behold, it was Harriet Holiday. Now, Harriet was my husband Mike's mom's best friend. I mean, really best friend. And there her children were, who, when they were little, my husband babysat for. Yes, men babysit when they're teenage boys, just like girls do. And so as I walked in the room, I hugged them. They hugged me. We had a great reunion. And I said, I want to pray with your mom. I want to read her some scripture. And so I walked up to the head of the bed where she was lying. She was not speaking, but I've always heard from some of the finest doctors that the hearing is the last to go. And so I leaned over and I said, Miss Harriet, it's Faye Stevens. I'm Mike's wife. I'm Elsie's daughter-in-law, your best friend, Elsie, who's in heaven now with Jesus. Can I read you some scripture and pray with you? And so I opened to Psalm 23, and I read that comforting psalm to her, and I prayed with her. And in my prayer, I prayed that she would sense Jesus standing by the bed with his arms outreached, saying, come on, Harriet, I've got a place built for you in heaven. It's time. Come on. And I promise you, within two minutes of that prayer being over, she drew 
her last breath. What a privilege. What a joy to have allowed God to use me in that way to be a part of an answered prayer, a prayer from children that knew it was time, but a prayer from her children that knew that she needed something else, and God knew that I was the one. I was the one to read her the scripture and pray with her that day. You know, God answers prayer. He doesn't always answer the prayer in the way we're asking it. Even when we wait, we wait asking for God's will, praying in faith, praying constantly, praying fervently. And yes, we pray with thanksgiving and praise to God in all our circumstances. Now, if I'm honest with you, and I feel like I have to be totally honest with you, that is a hard one. It's hard to pray with a thankful heart and praise God when you're suffering or when the one that you love is suffering so much. But yet, 1 Thessalonians 5.16 says, Paul writes with the inspiration from God, Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. So here's what happens. What happens is prayer aligns our heart with God's heart. And as we continue to pray, allowing our heart to align with God's heart, with his help, we start to desire what God desires, even though it might not be what we originally prayed for. When my daddy was dying in the Providence Hospital in 1989, I was praying persistently. I was praying fervently. I was praying for daddy to get well. One day I walked in the room and daddy said, Faye, I want to go home. I said, okay, Daddy, I'm going to get in touch with the doctor. We'll get a hospital bed and we'll get it moved. At that. No, Faye, not that home. I want to go to that home. I can still see his arm, his finger, his hand going up toward heaven. I want to go to that home. Oh, it was a time of transition for me, a transition of a different kind of prayer. Not that my daddy would recover from the heart issue he had, but I begin to pray that God in his grace, God in his mercy would call my daddy home. Prayer enables us to move forward. As we pray, we learn that he gives us the strength in those times, like the time I had with my daddy, to even change a prayer. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Philippians 4.13. It was never more vivid in my heart and my mind. I prayed it. I prayed that scripture over and over as my daddy transitioned from this world into heaven with Christ. My friends, when we pray, we're asking God to get involved with our issue. 
aren't we? And God, when we pray, empowers us to do things we might not otherwise be able to do. And we see how his kingdom will grow as a result. I believe that from my core. I see how prayers have worked in hospital settings, in neighborhood settings. Here at Mount Horeb, I've seen how prayer changes things. As a congregation, you who join God in prayer here, you've seen it. You've seen all the great things God has done and continues to do here. Things that might have seemed impossible a few years ago are so possible. Like over 4,500 at Christmas Eve, who would have thought it that soon after a new building opening? God's kingdom is growing spiritually and physically right here in this place at this time. Prayer avails much. I mentioned earlier that I had been praying with Mary in the waiting room there at Duke. One afternoon, she came to me and she looked a little forlorn and she said, Pastor Faye, time has run out. I just met with the doctor and there's no heart for my husband, Brian. And so in the morning, he will go into surgery and they're going to put a little temporary thing in there to give him a little bit more time. This man was 50 years old, young, but his heart had given out. It was the best the doctor could do. I said, let's pray. I grabbed her hands and we prayed together. He left my presence. The next morning, I normally would not drive to the hospital in the dark because I don't see as well as I used to in the dark, but I felt like I needed to get to the hospital early. And so I did. And so there I was in the waiting room. And all of a sudden, the door swung open from ICU. Here she runs out with her two children in tow, holding their hands and shouting at me. Pastor Fay, I got a call. I got a call at 4 a.m. There's a heart for Brian. We're headed down to the second floor waiting room. I said, we got to pray. We got to pray for thanksgiving and praise to God. And so we made a circle. We all held hands and we prayed in front of God and everybody that would hear us that day in the waiting room. Yes, God says yes. God says no sometimes. God says wait and trust me. Not on your schedule, Faye, not on your schedule, Mary, but on my timetable. But hear this, God always heals. God always heals. Sometimes it's a physical healing as with Brian. He got the new heart and I got to see the result of him walking out of that hospital. Sometimes he heals completely into heaven. A brand new body, no more pain, no more suffering. This family had waited and waited. 
but on God's timetable. He said, yes. And we gave God the praise for it. As you move into 2017, do you need some pruning? Have you got some pruning this morning from this message? I hope so. I ran across this article from John Piper, and he has a voluminous list of things that we can pray for in 2017. So I've honed that down to just a few. Pray for wisdom. We all need it. Pray for the knowledge of God's will for your life. He has a will and a purpose, and he just might be using you to help answer a prayer. Pray for a deeper sense of God's power in your life so that you can do some things that you didn't imagine you could do before. Pray for strength and endurance, not only in the good times, but the tough times. Pray for forgiveness. We all need that. Pray for greater faith. Pray not to fall into temptation and pray for protection from the evil one. Pray for healing, and at times the ultimate healing, when it's time for God to call a loved one home. Pray for salvation to come to the unbelievers. Please pray that. And pray for God's gospel, the good news, to be spread far and wide in 2017. As I close today, I've got some practical steps I'm going to challenge each of you with into the new year. The first, please start and end your day with prayer. And throughout the day, pray as the Spirit nudges, as you are aware of situations that need prayer. Pray first. Not when all else fails or as a last resort. Sometimes we're all guilty of that, but pray first. It's the most important thing that you can do. Make a prayer list. I have a prayer list. I would offer to you that if you make a prayer list, you'll see evidence of what God is up to and how he answers prayer. Would you pray your neighborhood? Would you walk around your neighborhood and pray for each home and the families in it? Would you do that? Would you pray for those that you work with? Would you pray for people that you know in other places? The person that does your dry cleaning, the person in the grocery store, the person in front of you in line. Instead of getting frustrated, well, I don't have much time. I sure wish you'd hurry up. (laughs) How about praying for her? Would you pray out loud with somebody? Would you? Have you ever? Would you do that this year? Would you pray out loud? It doesn't have to be an elaborate prayer. It could just be something like, Mary, let's pray. Lord God, hear Mary's cry to you that Brian needs a heart. Hear us, Lord. Amen. That's pretty simple, huh? Pray out loud with somebody. It would mean the world to them, and you'd be blessed too. 
at least once a month, if not more often, would you stop? Would you rest in the Lord and listen to what he might be saying to you? Would you? Would you do that? It's two-way communication, you know, just like the husband and wife, the bridegroom and the bride. Listen, listen to how he might be leading and speaking to you.